This week on Millennial. Some people might take Delta 8 and not really get high. I do. Um, So I indulge in it pretty frequently. And I like to think that a gummy a day keeps the Rona away. (laughs) That's my (laughs) mantra. traditional four-person family unit which is fine but that's really only one test per person yeah well and that's also it's really not a lot not what every american family looks like right now i had the same thought yes. fam i was like what about blended families what about people who are in roommate mm-hmm. situations with kids or multi-generations under one household yeah my mom is the same way and then she like <laughs> this is so bad she was upset because my brother and I split the cost for all the streaming and she was upset because we downgraded to I think like the Hulu with ads and she was like oh, another ad it's like well <laughs> feel free to make up the difference right exactly <laughs> welcome to millennial 802 the home of fake adulting but real talk I'm Andrew I'm Laura and I'm Pamela I have, for the past year or two now, been impressed that the three of us have not gotten COVID, as far as we can tell. And don't worry, the story is not ending with one of us got COVID. But I've been very impressed. And I think I finally figured out why a new study has found that CBD users have had a statistically lower rate of COVID infection. This was a very pleasant surprise. Did you two see this? Were you excited by this? Yeah, honestly, I think I had made the joke. I don't know if I made the joke on the show previously, but I had joked about, you know, Miss Rona's not going to get me because the THC is strong in these veins. Yeah, this was definitely (laughs) exciting news as somebody that also takes CBD daily. So Laura might be extra covered, but at least Andrew and I know that we're doing the most <laughs> yeah. to buy into this. So The best part of this is that you don't have to smoke marijuana. You don't have to take edibles. All you have to do is just take CBD oil. So we've spoken about CBD oil on the show over the years, and I've used it. And I think, Pam, you've been using it as a way to uh, sleep better at night and also just to relieve some stress during the day. Prior to this study being published, I was taking it a couple days a week, few days a week maybe, whenever I felt a little anxious and before bed. Now I'm very adamant about taking it daily. This is my new medication to avoid getting COVID. Of course, we don't know if this is entirely true. It is just one study. I'm sure we'll learn more over time. But now I'm taking this shit daily. I ain't forgetting. Well, also, CBD just has a host of other benefits. Andrew, to your point, CBD is, um, you know, it is derived from hemp, but it is does not contain THC. It will not get you high. It merely helps to relax you. Kind of like you said, yeah. a lot of people use it to be able to go to sleep at night. Sometimes people use it to be able to focus during the day if they're feeling mm-hmm. like, you know, extra scattered or distracted. Um, I use CBD sometimes too, if I feel like chilling, but I don't want to be stoned. Um, (laughs) But I'm also uh, a frequent user of Delta 8, which is um, like the legal (laughs) version of THC that you can get in most states now, thanks to the 2018 Farmers Bill that made derivatives of hemp legal don't think that was the kind of legal they were going for. Some states, including my home state of Georgia, <laughs> kind of freaked out when they realized that Delta 8 does have psychoactive effects. 
Um, but the thing about it is just like any other medicinal property, it impacts everybody differently. So some people might take Delta 8 and not really get high. I do. Um, so I indulge in it pretty frequently. And I like to think that a gummy a day keeps the Rona away. <laughs> That's my mantra. Print that on a shirt. That's going to sell like hotcakes. So, Laura, Delta 8 has actually been on my radar because there's a Delta 8 company that's been thinking of sponsoring the podcast. So I checked them out and they have a very compelling case for Delta 8 on their website. So I've been thinking of ordering it myself because I don't like smoking weed or edibles. I've had some very bad experiences that I'll bring up another time, I'm sure. I've brought them up on the show previously. But I was looking at Delta 8 earlier and I was about to order. It's banned in Nevada. How? I know. Marijuana is legal here. Yeah, weed is legal there. How is Delta 8 banned? Right. Can you not get it at a a dispensary? No, I don't think so. Really? I mean, look. Is that why that sponsor, like, not not the sponsor, the advertiser says they won't ship to Nevada? Because I was looking at that website. Oh, well, then, yeah. That's, yeah, because I put in my shipping address. But that doesn't make sense because it also says that it won't ship to California. And, like, we definitely have weed legalized here well, so i don't know what that's i did all about. i did some googling delta 8 is illegal here in nevada for sure what? so i'm gonna have to cross state lines or something yeah we're gonna or... have to go visit laura yeah and yeah wait how is it legal in georgia but not on the west coast i do not understand this it's I basically like marijuana's younger brother i don't right. get it <laughs> and again, marijuana is legal here in Nevada. So weird. I don't know if I should admit to this on the show, but Laura, can you mail me some Delta 8? Like, say no, but give me a wink. No. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Darn it. Darn it. I was really hoping you would. Anyway, I'm going to try Delta 8 because it's a chiller high, as Laura has said. Yes. Also, my recommendation for the week, take some CBD oil. The prices are pretty good. It can help you chill. Apparently, it can help prevent getting infected with COVID. So give it a shot if you've been thinking about it. You will not feel high. You'll just feel a little more relaxed and it can help you sleep at night. I was also going to point out that Amanda in the Discord said that they had noticed a difference with CBD oil, but they're not taking it daily. I would definitely recommend taking it daily or like splitting your dose morning between morning and night um, because I think it does in some cases take your body a bit of time to really start to see the benefits. Yeah. Uh, But everybody's different. I don't know. Maybe Laura can speak more to that. But yeah, everyone is different. And, you know, I don't know what state you're in slash country. um, But if you live somewhere that has CBD shops, if you go and speak to the people who work there, they're very knowledgeable. And they'll be able to help you figure out what dosage is right for you. Also, you know, I always am a proponent of speaking to a professional. So if it's something that you really want to make sure is right for you, talk to your doctor. A lot of doctor's offices sell CBD products in their waiting rooms now. Um, So the stigma Mm -hmm. around hemp products is really uh, starting to break down, which means you might even be able to speak to your physician about what's right. And I think people overseas are always shocked to hear just how prevalent CBD 
oil is across this country. You really can buy it anywhere in a ton of different products. Grocery stores. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's getting ridiculous how much stuff is CBD infused at this point. I've seen CBD uh, like sunscreen. There's like (laughs) edible products that are infused with CBD. There's all kinds of like hair and wellness, like body washes, all infused with CBD. Pet products. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of becoming like the new it product that gets put in everything because it doesn't hurt. So yeah. it's like an extra like added benefit. They can be like with CBD and have the little hemp leaf down there in the bottom corner. <laughs> I think some people are being a little misleading maybe with CBD. Yeah. I mean, listen, anybody who tries to tell you that CBD is a replacement for any other kind of medicine is wrong. CBD is not probably going to help you with your severe migraines, for example. You might need to talk to a doctor about something like that. But for daily general use and relaxation, it's great. And it can help with some pain. My mom has used it for her knees and she's seen an improvement. Okay, well, we're recording this episode the day after Martin Luther King Day here in the United States. You know, you really can't talk about MLK without talking about voting rights. And Senate Democrats agree with this. Chuck Schumer, we talked about this last week, actually said that MLK Day was going to be the deadline for the Senate to pass voting rights reform, and that if they didn't, he would be... Uh, forcing a vote on changing Senate rules around the filibuster. Discussion and debate over the voting voting rights legislation began today in the U.S. Senate. Um, It is expected to be tanked by Republicans, at which point Schumer will force that vote on changing Senate rules around the filibuster. But that's also going to fail. So this just feels like a really big disappointment all around there's part of me that's like why are we going through with this embarrassment yeah but there's another part that understands that we do have to try i really appreciated what president biden had to say about this with his acknowledgement that this is an uphill battle and we may not get it this time but that doesn't mean that we stop and it doesn't mean that we won't get it next time yeah you know it's eerie MLK actually has spoken out against the filibuster. He did this about 60 years Mm. ago. He said, quote, I think the tragedy is that we have a Congress with a Senate that has a minority of misguided senators who will use the filibuster to keep the majority of people from even voting. Yep. Some things never change. Yep. The Mm. filibuster was used to try and prevent civil rights reform. Mm hmm. So it really does feel like history repeating itself. And all I would have to say to anyone who is opposed to, you know, voting legislation reform is that history is watching you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moving on to a more positive recommendation, though, and this is going to be my recommendation for the episode. Um, If you're in the United States, you can now go to covidtest.gov to order four free rapid tests to be shipped to your home. Each household is eligible for four tests, and once you submit your request for these, they should be shipped in 7 to 12 days. Um, I put in my request earlier this afternoon. It went through just fine. Have y'all had a chance to request your free tests yet? So I'm actually not going to because we already have eight tests 
here oh, on standby okay, and i market just, cornered yeah mm-hmm. and i just want to let other people have a shot first that said if it seems like they're still readily available i'll probably grab some in another week or two uh yeah i put in my request this morning and also didn't have any issues at all yeah i've been telling everybody to do the same thing because It's free, and we've definitely had issues finding rapid tests out here where I am. So Yeah, and Andrew, if it makes you feel any better, um, the website does say that there are tests available for every household in the country. So it's not like there's sort of like a a finite supply that can only cover like two-thirds of the country and you'd be taking it away from someone else. This isn't like battling for a PlayStation 5, you're saying? No. No, it's not. Isn't that crazy? It's easier to get a COVID test than it is to get a PS5. And it's not (laughs) that easy to get a COVID test. No, no, it's not. Yeah, this is good to see. They were actually promising to launch this website on Wednesday. Today is Tuesday, so they did get this done a day ahead of schedule. That's nice to see. That said, many will argue that this is coming too late. This probably should have been live about this time a month ago before the holiday season because we knew there was going to be a spike following the holiday season. And even ahead of the holidays, you want to test yourself to make sure it's safe to see your family. So you could say, and I agree with this, this did come too late, but you know what? It's here now. So my my big question at this point is, will they allow these same households to place multiple orders? I'm sure in this initial window, they want to see what the demand looks like. But I imagine in the next couple of weeks or months, they're going to allow all the homes who already ordered tests to order another batch of tests. So I look forward to that because obviously we're going to keep needing tests and just four is insane. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was a little bit surprised. And I think it was like wishful thinking when I was reading the information on this website. I first thought that they said that one adult per household could order Mm -hmm. a package of four. And it turns out it's just four per household, which is, like you said, not a lot, especially if you have, I think they're kind of basing it on, you know, a traditional four person family unit, which is fine, but that's really only one test per person. Yeah. Well, and that's also really not a lot. Not what every American family looks like right now. I had the same thought, Pam. I was like, what about blended families? What about people who are in roommate Mm -hmm. situations with kids? Or multi-generations under one household? Yeah. This really does not capture the fact that the average family in this country is not the 1950s, you know, two parent, two child nuclear family household. That's just not reflective of what we look like as a people anymore. You know what? I am really over Nevada. I decided to just order the test since, Laura, you said they have tests for every household. But now USPS is telling me that COVID tests are illegal in Nevada. What? What is legal here? <laughs> You almost got me. You, you got me for a minute. Me. I'm not going to lie, but I'm way more gullible than Laura is. I did just order my test, though, because of that little note that I'm now I was seeing say, on the this site. This is some like Florida bullshit. <laughs> well, and also just use your tests responsibly. Like Mark and I talked about it this morning, and we got those rapid tests, and we're just going to hold on to them for emergencies because yeah. you can book PCR tests through your local pharmacy. The wait times on those are a little longer. I, you know, just took one on Sunday that I had booked 
almost three weeks prior because the wait times are so long. Um, but if it's not an emergency situation and you're just trying to do regular COVID testing, maybe the best route is to book regular PCR tests and hold on to those rapid tests for if there's an emergency and you need to know the results immediately. That's what we're doing. Yeah. I hope all these tests come with like a Biden sticker or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that sticker. <laughs> right. I did that. <laughs> it's a big oh, fucking that'd be deal. Amazing. <laughs> the other day I was bump, uh, bu- pumping gas at Costco and there was an I did that sticker on the pump oh, because no. the gas prices are high. And I was right. like, this is so dumb. And so I just like sat there and peeled it off as I waited oh, for my car good to fill you. up with gas. <laughs> I posted this on Patreon. I saw one of those in the grocery store in an empty freezer area, and I I peeled it off. I was hoping it was a magnet because I wanted to put it on my fridge, but it wasn't. So, all right, lots to get to today, but it is first time for a word from our latest sponsor, Surfshark VPN, who improve and secure your time online. Surfshark keeps your online identity safe by encrypting all of the information sent between your device and the internet. This keeps your personal data protected from big companies or cyber criminals. This is an awesome way to increase your online security. No one will be able to track or steal your data. It's also essential for when you're on public Wi-Fi so that nobody can snoop on your web activity. Most public Wi-Fi doesn't require a password. And that means that that network is unencrypted, meaning people can monitor your unencrypted activity as it goes through the air. And as if your privacy weren't enough of a reason to use Surfshark, Surfshark lets you virtually travel around the world so you can pretend you and your computer are in a different city or country. They have thousands of servers to connect to in over 65 countries. One of the best benefits with this is that you can watch streaming content that's only available in other countries. So if you have a Netflix subscription, for example, you can go to Netflix in the UK, or if you're outside of the US, you can have access to Netflix's US library. This is your chance to watch all of that international content that you hear about online, or maybe you got a recommendation about through a podcast like Millennial. This is also amazing for when you travel. If you go abroad, you can still keep up with all your shows at home. I want you to try this out. Go to surfshark.deals slash M-I-L-L and use our code M-I-L-L to get 83% off plus three extra months for free. Surfshark has a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. Give it a try. Download Surfshark. Pick an international country of your choice. Pick any of them. Then check out Netflix or another streamer, and then suddenly you're going to see all this different content. Once again, that's surfshark.deals slash M-I-L-L. And of course, most importantly, you get to have a more secure internet session as well. So for our first story this week, we're going to jump into something that we haven't spent too much time talking about on the show. Um, Obviously, Jeffrey Epstein has been a big name in the news over the last couple of years. Um, But another name that's making headlines right now is Jelaine Maxwell. Um, She was Epstein's longtime confidant. um, And she was actually just found guilty last month on five charges, including sex trafficking a minor. Um, The charges are related to her role in Epstein's sexual abuse of minor girls between 1994 and 2004. She faces 65 years in prison. Um, They are still awaiting sentencing, but... It seems like she's looking at a life 
sentence, given the fact that she is 60 years old. Um, What's making headlines right now is that despite her prior objections, Maxwell's counsel wrote to confirm that she will no longer be addressing the objections of eight so-called John Doe's who were named in a 2015 defamation case brought by one of Epstein's victims, uh, Virginia Roberts. Gierf, I think I'm pronouncing that name incorrectly. Uh, we may need to fix that in post, I just realized. Um, but Virginia claimed that Epstein sexually abused her as a minor and that he was aided by Maxwell. Uh, and the court is going to decide whether the names of those eight John Doe's will be unsealed or not. Um, why this is interesting is because the Epstein case does relate to a lot of other high-profile names. Um, So Prince Andrew of (laughs) the royal family fame, uh, Duke of York, he faces civil action here in the United States um, in a New York case with the same accuser, Virginia Roberts Gierf. He gave a pretty, Prince Andrew did give a pretty disastrous interview last August which he had hoped would quell the bad press around his association with Epstein. Um, it, it was not in dispute. He, There's plenty of records of he and Epstein being associates for quite some time. Um, he was also hoping to dispel allegations that he had been provided with an underage girl by Epstein. And just a few days ago, the Duke of York actually returned his military affiliations and royal patronages to the queen and will no longer be using the His Royal Highness title. Buckingham Palace released a statement saying the Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. So Pam, I know that you're big on the royals. What's your take on this news? I mean, I think With Prince Andrew, we've all kind of seen it coming for a couple of years, but this is very interesting to see Buckingham Palace sort of say, yeah, this guy's on his own. (laughs) Right. I honestly did not think that they would have the balls to do this because Mm. it did kind of, you know, his name has been lumped with all of the Epstein stuff since the beginning. And it sort of kind of felt like they were trying to ignore it and sweep it under the rug. So it was really interesting to see them put the statement out, although I do think that the wording was very interesting here because it doesn't necessarily say that his titles were stripped, even though that's what the a, a good chunk of the media was rolling with. It, it, I thought it was really interesting that they said that he returned them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it kind of makes it seem like it was his choice, maybe makes it look a little bit more noble. Right. And I am very curious about how this is all going to play out now that, you know, he doesn't have the royal family to hide behind. It was the right move, obviously, but I I also just kind of feel like, especially after the bombshell Harry and Meghan interview, it's kind of like we all know that everything that's done in terms of the royal family is to just keep. The, the entire it's deliberate their image clean yeah yeah exactly the family definitely asked him to they yeah, decided exactly. to strip these titles away from him because mm-hmm. without yeah. that what does he have he's a nobody and i would think right. if he was going to do this himself if he truly decided himself 
I no longer am going to be associated with the royal family. He would have done it a while ago. Not just. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. It definitely feels to Andrew's point, like one of the situations where someone is asked to resign. Right. You're given the I courtesy. In my resignation. Yeah. You're yeah. being the courtesy of being asked to resign rather than being fired. Right. Um, right. A little it's more like, don't cause a scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. What do y'all make of the, I remember this was um, a very popular take back when all of the bombshell um, press was happening with Harry and Meghan, particularly around the Oprah interview. Some thought that the palace was deliberately allowing Meghan Markle to be targeted in order to give cover for Prince Andrew, because this news was blowing up at that time, too. Makes sense to me. Isn't that fucked up? Right, yeah. Yeah. Of note as well, Epstein's former pilot, this guy had, you know, a private jet in which he cavorted around the world molesting children. Um, His former pilot testified that among some of the prominent names of people who frequently flew on Epstein's jet were Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Prince Andrew, Kevin Spacey, and others. Um, I wanted to talk about this because these are big names. Now, Epstein was, um, you know, very renowned in financial circles. And as a result of that, he had a very long list of rich and famous friends. So hearing these names, we have two former presidents, a prince, and then, you know, Kevin Spacey, who we already know is a bag of shit. Um, How Mm. do we feel about the potential of other big names being revealed in association with Epstein? I mean, at this point, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. There's a thir- there's a certain thread through all four of these men mm-hmm. that you just named. All of them have gotten into trouble with men or women before. It wouldn't surprise me if we found out some horrific new details about their relationship with Epstein. Right. Like, Andrew, I sort of kind of feel like it's inevitable. Oh, inevitable. At this point. Yeah, that there will be more. Similar to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're taking, say, like Kevin Spacey, for as an example, as a specific example, his accusations, the first bout of his accusations prior to Epstein uh, came out right around the time when so many people were being exposed because of the Me Too movement. So it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, well, we're not surprised, but we're just disappointed. Yeah. And I just kind of feel like that's how this is all going to play out if more names get dropped as things start to progress. Yeah. What kind of, I wouldn't say that it worries me, but thinking about the importance of facts. I feel like something that happens with regard to Epstein is that anytime a name comes out, like this person flew on Epstein's jet, the assumption made by the public is automatically, oh, that person was taking part in the sexual abuse of minors. They were taking part in the sex ring. And I just want to really highlight that we don't know that just because somebody went on a plane. It doesn't look good. Yeah. Like, it's not a good yeah. look, especially now that we know what we know. But it is something that I wanted us to talk about because 
you know, I agree that if somebody that I, you know, really liked and respected as a, you know, public figure, a famous person, if it came out that they were partying with Epstein, I would be very sus. Right. Yeah. But I think that we have to do a better job as like an online culture of not taking something like that and automatically saying that person was involved with the Epstein sex ring. Yeah. Because we don't know that. So. No, yeah. That, that's, I agree with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to look at these guys. And didn't didn't we find out last year that uh, Melinda Gates said that Bill Gates was associating with Jeffrey Epstein as well? And we also yes. found out last year that Bill Gates was conducting himself inappropriately in front of women. So, again, there's that thread behind all these yeah. people whose names come up in relation to Epstein. Bare minimum, it's sus, right? If your mm-hmm. name comes up in association with Epstein, bare minimum. Unfortunately, from there, it gets worse, not better. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that I could hear of someone talking about associating with Jeffrey Epstein and being like, oh, but I was doing this really great thing. (laughs) Well, the other thing is, too, is most of the time when you're talking about people with an extreme amount of power like Jeffrey Epstein, it is the worst kept secret in the social circles that that person hangs around in terms of like what a piece of shit they are. Right. And it's unfortunate because a lot of times it gets excused. It's like, oh, well, you know how so-and-so is. And, yes. and that's kind of like the excuse that gets given. So at best, everybody associating in his circles knew that he was a creep and didn't do anything about it. And that's also kind of sucky, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what bothers me in particular with Bill Clinton. Um, I generally tend to find Bill Clinton kind of sus anyway. But his excuse for his affiliate or not affiliation for his um, sort of connection to Epstein is that he used Epstein's private jet to go to Africa a couple of times to work on projects over there. And that's all well and good that you have a rich friend who has a jet that they can let you borrow it and go to Africa uh, to work on a humanitarian aid project, but the Clintons are rich too. And I I just find it interesting that that's the connection. Again, not to say that that rises to mean anything or proves anything, but to Pam's point, if you are rubbing shoulders with someone very powerful and influential in those circles it it's probably at the very least a rumor <laughs> what that person is up to you know so i totally understand why if a famous person's name comes up associated with epstein everyone's tendency is to think okay this person's sus my mm-hmm. only sort of like i guess ask for us as a an internet culture is not to feed into like conspiracy theory rabbit holes because we have enough of those on the internet um Fair. To, to wait for facts which unfortunately takes so long it does in the legal world and that's the problem you're putting the legal world up against the internet and our our undying need for for gossip and speculation so 
you can yeah. see why these two things butt heads. Yeah. Who's like your nightmare scenario? Like Andrew, what if what if it came out that Bruce Don't flew on that. Epstein's jet? <laughs> Any of us who have favorites um, don't want to hear their favorites' names in the same sentence as Epstein. Even if Epstein didn't hook them up with underage girls, I'm sure there's some other bullshit misconduct going on, too. Well, it's exactly the reason why these eight John Doe's objected to being named. So what this is, is that they were just named in this 2015 lawsuit, the defamation case. Um, So that doesn't mean that they themselves did anything they were just named in the defamation case um so even if assuming some of these eight people actually did not do anything nefarious and they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time just the association of being Mm -hmm. named as having something to do with jeffrey epstein is career ending yeah um social status ending so people don't want to be attached to it and i mean i i get it but at the same time i'm very curious to know who they are i am too yeah and hopefully we will get those names but that's all the updates we have on this story for now we'll definitely keep an eye on it and if anything new or breaking comes of it we'll definitely cover it fingers crossed that um no beloved (laughs) politicians other politicians or celebrities are on this list yeah i don't think we've ever heard the word sus said so many times in a single episode laura you broke a record there i know it's just that that's the only word that i could think of to describe how it would feel to hear that somebody that i adored for example came up as someone who flew on epstein's plane I yeah, would... yeah, no, I just, I like that you use the slang, sus, oh. instead of, like, suspect. Oh, it's because, suspicious. Of, it's because of Chloe. Chloe's oh. modernizing our show. Keeping us young. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about some television drama in a moment. But first, a word from our second sponsor this week, Felix Gray. They are the blue light glasses that started it all. These are not sus at all. Five years ago, Felix Gray set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. Since then, Felix Gray has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Thanks to these glasses, you can help reduce the eye strain, headaches, and insomnia that comes with staring at a screen for as long as we do every day of our darn lives. Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more of the blue light that's bothering you. Start your new year off with something new and good for yourself. Something that will actually improve your life and all you've got to do is put them on and not only do they help your eyes, you start looking sexy too. If you weren't already, this is like a a nail in the coffin. These have been so helpful for all of us here on the panel and like I said, they look great too. As you may have seen during our live streams or on our social media posts, I'm always wearing these at the computer. I just love them. Non-prescription and prescription glasses are available. So these really work for everyone. Check them out now. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash M-I-L-L. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y Glasses.com slash M-I-L-L. Free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash M-I-L-L. And we are so excited to have them sponsor Millennial for another year. 
So, Pam, there's been some TV drama. Yes, specifically regarding the CW. And before we get into that, I wanted to know if any of us currently watch anything on that network. <laughs> no. No, I don't. Okay. Um, I was really into Jane the Virgin. That's fair. That was an amazing show. But apart from that, I have mm-hmm. not watched the CW in quite some time. So that was that was the last show that you tuned in for. Yeah, and I didn't okay, even watch fair. it on the CW. I watched it on Netflix. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, guess they, they still get a kickback from that, apparently, and we'll get into that in the show. I did so just think we'll, of we'll one, call you a maybe. but none of these okay. shows that a lot of us talk about online, Um, they brought back Whose Line Is It Anyway <laughs> a few years ago with Aisha Tyler as the host instead of Drew Carey. And uh, yeah, I, I used to like that show as a kid. So when they brought that back, I got really excited. But other than that, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, I wanted to bring up this CW drama because I'm sure that even though we three don't personally tune in weekly or maybe nightly for a show or two on a regular year, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners probably watch one or two shows. Obviously, the CW is home to juggernaut titles like Riverdale, but they're also really popular for their slew of DCEU content. Um, Arguably, their DC adaptations are probably doing better than some of the movies that DC and WB have put out. Yeah, the fan bases of some of these shows is crazy. We know this from the hypeable days. I mean, like The 100, for example, that's not a DC adaptation, but huge fan base. And that goes for many of these DC shows. Yeah, they they do really actually a really good job to their credit of of cultivating series that in turn kind of give birth to these really passionate fans. Obviously, the Arrowverse is still going strong despite you know uh, certain shows like Supergirl coming to an end. But the reason that I wanted to bring up the CW this week is because like Andrew Tees, they have been in the news for the past couple of weeks, and it's specifically because it's looking like Viacom, CBS, and Warner Media are actually looking to sell the network. Um, the CW was first forged in 2006 when CBS and Warner Media decided to join forces and they merged their two former networks, UPN and the WB, which the three of us might have grown up with. That was home to, you know, shows like Gilmore Girls, for example. Apparently, the CW has never really made money. This is what the parent companies are saying now. Uh, so this might come as a surprise to a more casual viewer, but maybe not to anybody that really likes to keep up with media inside news. One of the things that I found the most interesting in all of the articles that I was reading to prepare for this segment was just the emphasis on how streaming might have actually played a role in speeding this process up a lot. Um, currently, the CW makes most of its money from international and streaming sales for the scripted content. And then there's kind of a little bit of a divide with regards to whether CBS or WB produces those shows. So something that is in line with like the DC universe, for example, is produced by the WB, but then something else like the charm reboot is a CW, um, a CBS original. That's basically where they're making the money to fund all of these productions. And they previously had an output deal with Netflix, which is where fans overseas could watch shows like Riverdale or or All-American, for example. But that deal with Netflix is actually coming to a close now. It actually ended in 2019. And it's specifically because Warner Brothers and CBS both launched their own streaming platforms. 
So with the rise of something like HBO Max for WB and Paramount Plus for CBS, they're trying to retain those streaming rights for themselves so that, you know, they have kind of an edge on the competition. Maybe somebody's a really big fan of any of the shows on the CW coming out, you know, going forward, they would be more inclined to subscribe to those platforms in an effort to rewatch or even catch up with something that they missed while it was airing. So it sounds like this is really kind of screwing them up. And I know we talk a lot on this show about how streaming is kind of killing cable and about how we have to get pickier about what we sign up for. But I don't know, did you guys ever think that it would literally be killing a network? Because it sounds like that's what's happening here, you know? I didn't think it would kill a network in this way. I thought it might kill a network in that viewership numbers would tank on a network channel, as I'm sure has been the case. And I mean, the CW ratings have never been particularly strong. To your point, they're making most of their money from the international and streaming deals. But yeah, no, I didn't I didn't I didn't predict CW to be one of the first to potentially go because they also, like I said a few minutes ago, have these very passionate fan bases who are addicted to their shows worldwide. But in the US, these fan bases are huge as far as I can tell. Yeah, based on that alone, just the the fan bases themselves not speaking to, you know, viewership numbers and the sorts of metrics that actually count for networks. um, I would not have if you had come to me and told me, hey, streaming is about to kill you know, a particular network, which one do you think it's going to be? I wouldn't have said the CW. I would have said the farming channel first. Is that a thing? (laughs) My dad loves a certain farming channel. Yeah, it's interesting. Right, it definitely is because, you know, like you said, they do a good job of cultivating these fan bases. And also what's really been interesting to me is that they've taken a gamble for the last couple of years in terms of renewing almost everything that has been around for a couple of seasons on their slate. And now it just kind of all makes sense because they didn't really have very much to lose, you know? So do you think that was a Hail Mary, Pam? I think so. The big joke on, you know, fandom in fandom spaces was that Supernatural was really what was keeping the CW alive. And now that it's ended, they're just like, well, it's time to pull the plug, which, you know, is kind of a joke, but I wouldn't be surprised because that's another fandom that has really been going strong for over 20 plus seasons and, or however many seasons they ended up doing is probably, probably wasn't 20, but it was probably close. I think it was close to that. In the double digits. (laughs) Yeah. So what's going to happen to these shows? They're just going to be dispersed. Some of them might be permanently canceled. I guess so. Like, That is something that nobody really has an answer to. And I don't even really think that the network execs at the CW know what's going to happen. But obviously, they're still putting out new shows like um, Ava DuVernay has Naomi, which is another comic book adaptation that just premiered this season. And, you know, the Arrowverse is still kind of going. I would assume that they'll just get kind of split between... HBO Max and CBS. But what I think will be maybe most interesting to think about is where the target demographic for the CW is going to go next to to find shows that they can relate to. Because right now, the CW is kind of like the only cable provider that is specifically tailoring their content to teenagers. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how like streamers kind of 
start to try and cater more to maybe like the 16 to 25 demographic. It's an important demographic in terms of advertising. It's very valuable. And you're already kind of starting to see HBO Max do this because, you know, obviously Euphoria is huge for them. It won a couple of Emmys. But then they also just announced that they're rebooting Degrassi and they have Gossip Girl over there as well. Yeah. So I would think all streamers want this type of content. The good news is all these streamers also have such bad shows like Netflix. We all know at this point they have so much original content and a lot of it Mm -hmm. is really bad that you would think the bar for Netflix, HBO Max, CBS, etc. is pretty low. And I have to think a lot of these CW shows are higher than that bar. So I'm hopeful a lot of them will be saved for all you CW fans out there. But I did also want to add on a related note, we found out last Friday, of course, they announced this on a Friday. Netflix is raising the price of their monthly subscriptions. Did you two see this? I didn't know (laughs) how much more. The top of the line plan is now $20 a month. Oh, that's, man. Isn't that up $2 or That's something? up $2. Yeah, it's 4K. Wow. You can split it with uh, four people can watch simultaneously. So in theory, you could split this with at least four people. $20 for a single streaming app, that is officially pushing it. In my also, opinion, what do they what do they need money for? They've been canceling shows left and right <laughs> for the past three months. Well, and the other weird thing is that the $20 plan, what's exclusive to it is the 4K streaming. But the other streamers actually don't charge you extra for 4K. Disney Plus, Hulu, CBS, HBO, like well, actually HBO doesn't have 4K yet. Annoyingly, it's all built into your their existing subscription prices. I don't split my Netflix subscription with my family, even though they use it. I am going to be asking them for money now because I cannot swallow 20 for a single streaming platform. Yeah, Yeah. that's a lot of money. That's more than HBO. Would we have ever thought a few years ago we'd be paying more for Netflix than we do HBO? HBO used to be, you know, oh, God, $15 a month. That's a lot of money, but I got to do it. Got to watch that shit. Yeah. Andrew, I seem to recall you a few years ago mentioning $20 was your limit for Netflix. (laughs) Well, for any streaming app. But I remember you asking the question, you were like, if any one streaming app got up to $20, would we still pay for it? And I think your answer at the time was no, unless I could get people to split it with me. Yeah, yeah. $5 a month, that's reasonable. Predicting the future. Yeah, remember, I remember when I made my Netflix account, back in 2006 and it was like six bucks a month unlimited it was perfect yeah and i mean Mm -hmm. listen i'm not saying they can't raise their prices i get it everyone's got to raise their prices but it does feel a little bit like a price gouge especially given that they've been increasing their prices pretty regularly in recent history yeah and again i ask for what because they keep canceling everything they have money you want to know what for doubt nabby oscar race doubt nabby (laughs) two of my favorite shows are on netflix (laughs) doubt nabby and breaking bad but i mean I do ask myself, like, do I watch Netflix enough to even pay for this? But we've been having this discussion as a family, too, because now I'm kind of like we're just kind of figuring out like what we want to do about Netflix, not because of the price hike, although that might be the the tipping point, but just in general, 
Like, what do we actually need? What do we actually watch? Because it does add up really quick. Hulu, the only reason that Hulu is um, sticking around is because they had a Black Friday deal. Uh It was like 99 cents a month for the year or something like that for the 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 tier with like ads or something like that so we did that we were just like guess we're gonna watch hulu now yeah and see that's the thing right now if i were to think about my top three streamers it's hbo max disney plus and hulu i genuinely can't remember the last time i got a netflix to watch something and i honestly never thought the day would come where netflix wasn't my primary but here we are (laughs) And yet they have, and I think a lot of people feel that way, Laura, and yet they have the nerve to raise their prices again. When is this price uh, hike going into effect? I think end of January. Oh, I bet you they don't care because they're going to get everybody back when Stranger Things comes Stranger comes Things, back with the new season. Yeah, Ozark is coming back soon. That's a very good show. Yeah, it's not the final season, too. Yes. Yeah, they're releasing it in two parts. Here's there the other thing. I've seen some people say, well, now I'm at the point with Netflix that I'm just going to sign up for it when there's a show I want to watch, binge it, then cancel it again. Some people already do that with right. like HBO for like Game of Thrones. Yeah, and that, I makes, used that to makes do sense. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that'll become what we do with ne- with Netflix. We kind of uh, we have like a f- a family friends family account that we share with some of our other friends, and maybe <laughs> we need to all get together and reevaluate how frequently we're using Netflix now. Yeah, of course I won't be invited to that because I'm not in the family. <laughs> you have your own family. Yeah, oh, you're right, already right. on a family plan. Uh, yeah, I'd invite true. you otherwise. Okay. But I guess they're all going to get kicked out unless they want to shell over some money. Seriously, right? seriously. I'm done $20 a month yeah. for the whole Well, if that happens, maybe you can come back to Laura and I. We can make a deal. Woo! Yeah, there you yeah. go. Make you a deal you can't refuse. You know what I think is a fair deal? Because it can be complicated to split these on a monthly basis, especially with its multiple people. Here's what I think people should do. And this is my recommendation. Here's another recommendation. Somebody pays for Netflix. Somebody pays for Disney Plus. Somebody pay- pays for HBO Max. Just work it out that way. That way there's not yeah. like, oh, you still owe me five bucks a year. Five bucks. You know, just just split up the subscriptions. That's what we do. Mm. That's what we do, too. I pay for Disney Plus in this That's household. That's what I need to do. I'm getting freaking screwed over by my family. <laughs> Are you paying for all of the streamers? <laughs> they only recently started paying for their own HBO Max only because my parents have AT&T and they get HBO Max free. They are using my Netflix. They are not using my Disney Plus. They are using my Hulu. So two of them. I had this talk with them over Christmas. I was like, you guys got to start giving me something back because this is this, what? Wh- why? I know my my mom is the same way. And then she like. <laughs> this is so bad. She was upset because my brother and I split the cost for all the um for all the streaming and she was upset because we downgraded to I think like the Hulu with ads. Oh. And she was like oh, another ad. It's like, well, <laughs> feel free to make up the difference. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> We're going to move into another story here about Apple's AirTags here in a moment, but first we wanted to give a quick shout out to our newest patrons over at patreon.com slash millennial. This is where you can go to take advantage of all of our amazing bonus content. Uh, We actually just had a variety show drop over there uh, just yesterday, and Mark and I put up the first ever installment of Geek Out for 2022. This is a benefit 
um, for our $10 patrons in which the hosts will get on and just record themselves rambling, talking about, analyzing, what have you, something that they feel really passionate about. Mark and I spent over an hour talking about and dissecting Spider-Man No Way Home. We had a ton of fun. We may have been a little high when we were (laughs) recording this, so that made it even more fun. Um, But it was such a good time. Definitely recommend checking it out if you're on the $10 level. Um, But now to give all of our new patrons a shout out, they are Craig, Kimberly, Camilla, Julie, Megan, Chantel, Shannon, Crystal, and Courtney. Welcome, guys. We're so glad to have you over at our Patreon community. Our Patreon has grown in the past couple of years yeah. since the start of the pandemic. And honestly, I didn't really expect that. So that was a welcomed surprise. And we there's not a day that goes by that we take it for granted. So thanks so much, everyone. And now I want to talk about Apple's AirTags. These are a new product that they released last year. There's been some major privacy concerns surrounding the AirTags. And that's what I want to talk about today, because really, the AirTags let you track anything, which is helpful, or potentially any person. And as you might expect, some people are already using these AirTags in nefarious ways. The reason I bring this up now is because there's been numerous recent examples in recent months of women being tracked by AirTags unknowingly, including Sports Illustrated model Brooks Nader and everyday women across the country. AirTags, like I said, they let you find an item after you lose it, but they do it in two ways. One is common. The other isn't so much. So the common way that they help you find the lost item is through local tracking and direction pointing and noise making. So let's say you lose your keys in the house. When you look at an item, let's say the keys, that key's AirTag in your Find My app on an iPhone If the keys are nearby, the iPhone will actually point an arrow in the direction of the item. It's pretty cool. And you can also make the AirTag make a noise. And of course, Tile, which is a popular tracking device, uh, also offers this type of feature. With AirTag, your phone can also notify you whenever you leave an AirTag behind. And that's very helpful as well. So if if you have the setting on, you could have your phone send you a notification whenever you leave the house without your keys. Now, here's the other AirTag feature, and I bet a lot of people don't realize that their iPhones are quietly doing this, working with AirTags in this way, whether you have AirTags or not. They have this wider tracking network feature, and Tile does not have this. Every time your AirTag passes any iPhone in the world, that iPhone quietly logs its general location. You won't know that your phone is passing an AirTag and and logging the location. It happens totally in the background. If your AirTag isn't near you, you can then see the last location that any iPhone in the world spotted your AirTag. This isn't a live look at the AirTag's location. It's just like a last time it was seen, last time a phone passed it type of thing. So people have been using this wider network to track AirTags and hiding them in people's bags and their clothes underneath cars and tracking them that way. The AirTags have been a popular way to track people for nefarious reasons. Um, For a couple of reasons, AirTags are pretty cheap. They're only $29 a pop. The wider iPhone network, like I just mentioned. And because it's Apple, there's a lot of attention and scrutiny on this new product, 
The media is paying a lot of attention to this, which is good because it is a real problem. And it's not a good look for Apple to be known as offering creeps a way to track people. So what is Apple doing to prevent people from being unknowingly tracked? First of all, your iPhone will notify you if an unknown AirTag is moving with you. That's a pretty cool and helpful feature. Last summer, they rolled out an update that will cause the AirTag to chime 8 to 24 hours after an AirTag has been separated from the owner. The time frame is purposely random, so somebody who's trying to track you can't predict when it's going to make a noise. Originally, it would actually chime days after it was separated. So that was a big mistake by Apple initially. They also just recently created an Android app that will let Android users check to see if there's an AirTag near them or if an AirTag is following them. But here's the thing. If you don't have a smartphone or you don't hear the chime of the AirTag when it's been separated from the owner, you might never have any idea that this AirTag is following you, is on you, is tracking you. And like I said, anytime a phone passes that AirTag, an iPhone passes that AirTag, it's going to report the location back to the owner of the AirTag. What do you two make of all this? I assume you may have heard of AirTags in passing. Like I said, these were only released last year. I actually remember when these first came out, wondering about this and thinking, oh, maybe I'm just overthinking it. I'm sure Apple, of all people, have thought this through. And over the last few months, I've started noticing more and more uh, women posting PSAs being like, hey, ladies, like when you go back to your car, check the wheel wells of your car because this happened to me. Somebody like stuck an air tag up under there and I only realized it because my phone notified me of an unknown air, air tag and I don't have any air tags. So I was very confused. Lots of examples, like you said, Andrew, of them being slipped in bags and in clothing items. Um, so it's, you know, unfortunately, I I think like if if you're socialized in this world as female, it's not that hard to imagine something like this being used in this way, which makes me wonder who was in the room when air tags were being conceived, right? Like when they were being designed um, and marketed. Yeah, I agree with Laura. It's kind of just another thing that we have to be vigilant about. And this is unfortunately nothing new for women because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you have to take into account. But it is terrifying that you could make it all the way home, save somebody. Like I think about like the the bag slipping specifically because I'm in the city fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. I'm always taking public transportation. Public transportation on a good year, not on a COVID year, is pretty packed. It would be so easy to just slip something into a bag. I only clean my bag out maybe once every other week, you know, yeah. if I if I really if need all, to. Yeah. Or like honestly less. So yeah, I just the the potential here for for catastrophe is very high and and I I don't think that it's being conflated or anything like that. Like it is cause for for fear. Yeah. And the problem with let's say like Pam and Laura, they both do have iPhones, and of course I do too. If somebody were to slip an AirTag into any of our bags, we might get off the train and five minutes later, be back in our apartment building or house. Right. That's enough time to get the location of the AirTag before the AirTag notifies us, our iPhone notifies us, mm -hmm. that an AirTag 
is an unknown AirTag is following us. Or, God forbid, if you don't have an iPhone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you have an Android? Yeah. Yeah. Right. How long until it, it like your phone notifies you again? Did you write this down? I don't have that number. I think it could be a good 15, 20 minutes. It's not days. That's yeah. No. 15, 20 minutes is nothing. Like it 20 minutes was my normal commute in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From office back to my apartment on the subway. And a lot of people live closer than that. So that that's terrifying. And you can see why Apple wouldn't notify you immediately because maybe you're in a car with somebody who has an air tag of their own or you're on the subway and you're near an air tag but that that air tag is just attached to somebody's keys you know they're using it the way it was intended there's some very fine lines they have to walk and so far this isn't going well i think this is a major problem for apple from an image perspective it doesn't look good and these stories are going to continue happening so i saw one person propose that they should just kill the wider tracking network just do do the local item tracking in your home you know the the local item tracking maybe 50 to 100 feet it probably goes for have it tie into like your family members phones too. like if you're under an iCloud family plan, maybe that could be a little helpful. But kill killing the wider tracking network would it would remove one of the most helpful features of the AirTag. I do really like that, but I'm willing to let it go if this is going to continue being a problem. But then on the other hand, there's other ways to track people. If there's a will, there's a way. So there's a lot to consider here. Yeah, but. I have to think that air tags are a pretty low barrier of entry to be able to stalk someone because mm. they allow you to do it from a distance, right? Right. It's and there are GPS trackers, but yes, yeah. this one is easy and affordable and very easy to slip in your pocket. I mean, it's it's the size of a quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I saw them the like it was so funny because we when we did the white elephant for my family's Christmas, I was with one of my siblings and they were saying, oh, I think I'm going to get like a tile tracker as part of the gift because that would be good to put on somebody's keys. And when they went to ask if there were still any tiles left, the guy originally that was at the register, I guess, misheard. And they were like, oh, we're all sold out of the you know, the Apple AirTags. So oh. they're clearly like a very popular yeah. gift, even though obviously Tile has been around longer or maybe not even like a gift, just like a popular commodity. Yeah. I just thought that it was really telling that they were all sold out specifically of the Apple AirTags, but they had plenty of Tiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair point to make that because Apple is such a big name that AirTags are kind of being highlighted But there are other ways, to Andrew's point, that you can track people without their knowledge. There are other products like that out on the market. It's just that Apple is Apple. So because they're so familiar to all of us um, and because, quite frankly, as consumers, I think we expect a lot from Apple, um, we're looking at them and wondering what they're going to do to address this pretty major security flaw in one of their products. Now, if Apple addresses it and we're happy with the solution, that's great. But there are also a number of other products out there that can do the exact same thing. So it's not like Apple is the only, you know, company that can resolve this problem. Yeah. All of them have to 
be held accountable and the right. media has to be keeping an eye on all of them. Of course, it's a sexier headline when you're talking about the Apple tracking device quietly right. followed somebody around. So what can you do to protect yourself? Like I said, if you have an iPhone, your phone will notify you if an AirTag has been near you, but it might be it may have been planted on you 15, 20 minutes prior and you had no idea until you already got home. And of course, do we trust Apple to uh, make this a very reliable system? There might be some bugs with this alert system. There might be some loopholes people could potentially jump through. There's also an Android app, but you have to download this and you have to get that set up. And then you can check to see if an AirTag is near you. Does anybody here do anything to avoid being tracked? Seal up your bags? Watch your pockets. I think just generally trying to be aware of my surroundings. I will definitely be the person who, if I'm just getting a vibe that I'm being followed, I try to like change directions and like not go to like my house (laughs) in the event that somebody is following me. But those are for circumstances where I'm just like, kind of creeped out and thinking somebody might be. In terms of protecting myself from somebody slipping an air tag in my purse, my God, like keeping it zipped, <laughs> like that's all I can think. Um, yeah. Apart from regularly checking items like that, which I guess I should do more often. What about you, Pam? Well, I think this is mostly just street Spart city safety, mm-hmm. but I over the past few years I've gotten better about making sure that if I don't need to take a large bag into the city, then I won't take a large bag into the city because the smaller the bag, the easier it is to keep track of. I always also do a crossbody bag if I'm going to be doing mm-hmm. a longer city day, and I, I try and keep that in front of me as well so that at least like I know that it's not to the side or in the back. Um, That's like I said, it's mostly just to make sure that my stuff doesn't get stolen, but I feel like that could probably work as well for just making sure that nothing gets slipped into your stuff. Yeah. And then just like as a general safety thing too, um, that I like to bring up every once in a while because everyone's online if you're somebody that really likes to Instagram story your day, and I, I'm definitely right there with you if I'm doing something exciting, like it's fun to use those features, but just make sure that like you're being smart about what you geotag and stuff, or, you know, especially if you're doing something by yourself, waiting until you leave one place to post that picture and then adding the geotag is a really easy way to make sure that you're keeping yourself safe. Great call. That is a habit I got into probably in the last five years because I used to have the bad habit of posting pictures of myself somewhere when I was actually there. Nothing ever Mm -hmm. happened. But one day I just thought about it and started getting paranoid and was like, maybe I shouldn't be telling the whole world where I am. So now I have the habit of if I go somewhere, I don't share it on social. I rarely share anyway, but in the event that I do, I'm always sharing it long after I have left. Yeah. And it goes, this is just also general safety. Like don't publicize when you're going on vacation and leaving your house unattended. Um, Also don't, I've, I've seen this happen a lot. And I haven't heard of it going south, but I've seen so many people on social 
um, sharing their brand new PS5 that they got in their reels or like putting it up. And I'm like, don't do that. Those things are a hot commodity right now. You are making yourself a target, especially if your socials are public. Yeah. Don't boarding like, passes too. Like any of that yeah. trendy social yeah. media stuff. Like there's so much information there. People could find out exactly. I got my passport. Like, Check it out. Where y'all. you're leaving from, what gate you're arriving at, all of that stuff. If you don't have your social media locked down, and even if you do, it's just it's smart to get in the habit of being a little bit safer about how mm-hmm. you use those features. Hundred yeah. percent. I've definitely blocked info out from time to time because oh yeah, that thought crosses yeah, me your too. mind. All right, so hopefully that was helpful info for everybody. So continuing a segment that we kicked off last week, we asked our listeners to let us know if they're making any commitments in 2022, maybe a new New Year's resolution, but maybe something else that they want to tell us about so we can help hold them accountable by reading their commitment on the air. And we started with five or six last week, and we're going to read six or so more now. Louise said, hoping to not just spend my days off playing video games and streaming, I'd like to commit to exploring something new in LA every month, be it a restaurant, museum, or some unique event. I wanted to ask you two about this because I have to admit that prior to a few years ago, I was really never exploring where I live. Now, I'm obsessed with being in like local food groups and local interest groups, like hiking groups, stuff like that, and seeing people share photos and reviews of places and then saving them in lists on Google Maps and then going and trying these things. Are you too good about that, like exploring the areas you live in? I am not as organized about it as you are, um, but I have definitely gotten more into just trying new things, going to new places around Atlanta that I haven't been to before. Um, I mean, I I grew up sort of in the suburbs of Atlanta, so this isn't as new of a city to me as like Vegas is for you yeah. as a resident. But there are definitely new things cropping up all the time and pandemic permitting, we do try to get out and try new things when we can. Um, I really do miss doing museums, though. I haven't been to a museum in a minute. Like the closest Mm. thing I did was my mom and I went to the Van Gogh experience here in Atlanta a couple of months ago, and that was amazing. And uh, we have the High Museum of Art here in Atlanta, and I've really been meaning to go back. So maybe that'll be one of my 2022 goals. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm pretty good about this. I I do enjoy kind of exploring the places that I live. I also just get like antsy. So I feel like I need to be <laughs> looking at stuff that I haven't done before yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't know if this is the case everywhere, but our public broadcasting networks out here they actually have two shows that i really enjoy that kind of cater to highlighting little uh hole in the wall places or or smaller places that you should check out Uh, my favorite is this show called check please and you can actually google that and um, see if there are any restaurants in the bay area that might be of interest to you if you're just coming for a visit but I just like I love this show so much. I watch it usually like before or after Jeopardy because Aww. it's just like three random people coming to this table and talking about their favorite 
Bay Area eats. And I always find like a new restaurant that I want to try. That's awesome. Or a few. Yeah. yeah. And I just think it's like a really cool way also to to kind of support local business as well. And you can apply yeah. to be a guest. So maybe I should do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah do it for the show, check, Pam. Right. For the show. <laughs> I have the pressure the to pick a good place. Yeah. Yeah. You'll you find. Will. I'm sure you've got some good recs. That's yeah. true. You picked that Italian place we went to. Yeah, I hate to tell you this, but it shut down. No, it <laughs> I was know. So good. I know we're gonna have to you get brought this up else before. Next time you come visit. <laughs> okay, I there is no shortage of good food in San Francisco. So yes, I think we true. can figure something out. Mm-hmm. I was the reason I asked this question is because I was really bad about exploring L.A. It just it was a thought that never crossed my mind, even though but I didn't grow up really there. That's also really hard because it's hard to move. In LA, yeah, well, you can so, walk around. That's or, true. I don't. Nobody walks in LA though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not excusing myself. I should have done better with that, and I'll I'll make up for it over time. So anyway, Letty said, "I want to make the gym a real habit again. I miss it." Allison said, "Read one book per month," and actually, Haley too said, "Reading at least twelve books, one per month." It's a good one. Good luck with that, Pam. Are you off to a good start with your book club? Yeah, yeah. I'm about 30 pages in. We, I, I specifically set the page limit per week very, very low. So <laughs> it would be more likely that I would actually come through. So I'm yeah. enjoying it so far. Um, cool. I don't know if anybody has read uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses, but no spoilers if you have. And maybe I'm sure I'll keep you guys updated on my progress. Yeah. Danielle said, run three races, either road or obstacle. Learn one song on guitar. Doing two pull-ups. Okay, that's good. Yeah, pull-ups are hard AF. For the president's whatever, the presidential fitness test. I don't think I've ever done one. So much shame. Um, I remember attempting to do them in gym class. I know, exactly. It's like I'm very chunky and I could barely run a mile. Yeah, that's probably probably what it was. I know. I was like, come on, like, look at me. Do I look like I can do a pull-up? Presidential (laughs) fitness test. That was from the White House, some like official activity. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Thank they you, Bill Clinton. They used to measure everything, like right. how many sit-ups you could do, how far you could reach. It oh, was a yeah. whole thing to do. Oh, I remember yeah. the how far you can reach. Why? I don't know. Leave us alone. So what if I'm not flexible? I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they ever make you hold the little BMI measurement tool? Oh, there was a... Oh. <laughs> hold on. I have a story about this. This is like very off track, but there was like... We had one PE teacher. There's always one in high school. And he used to measure, like, he used to make everybody measure their BMI. And he had, like, this clamp thing so that he could oh, clamp I hate fat, that. usually around your thigh, like your inner thigh. It was, like, so embarrassing. But then later he actually got charged for sexual <laughs> assault allegations, which is not funny, but it is kind of like, well, you know, he was kind of like squeezing inner thigh fat. So, yeah. 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 Oh, man. When you know, you know, I, I had a I know not a not the same kind of story about a gym teacher, but I did have a creepy story about a gym teacher in high school. I think you're right, Pam. There is always one. But yes, our our dude would make us hold the little measuring machine. Uh, you know, you had to hold it out. You had to hold your arms straight. And he would just read your BMI off for everyone to hear. Yeah. And I was like, great. Thanks. So this guy would just like it was just like a line in front of him. There was no hiding, and we oh, would all just my have to go God. Up one by one. And he would check our BMI and be like, "Yeah, like you're fat or you're obese, oh or you're underweight, or you're just fine." I know wow. it was awful. Damn. Yeah, I got a uh, I got detention 
one time because I was late for gym class. And as part of my detention, I was told that I had to write like a short research paper on obesity. (laughs) And I was like, well, I mean, you know, if anyone should write this paper, I guess it should be me, huh? And he did not think that was funny. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that guy was a real prick. Oh, spicy memories. Spicy memories. So much trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, it yielded some good discussion. So for sure, anything for the show, (laughs) for the show, baby. I want to print a shirt that says hashtag for the show. This is a new running joke on millennial (laughs) for the show. Everything I do, I do for the show. (laughs) So if you want to submit your commitment, it's not too late. If you go to our social media channels, millennial show on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook, and you click the link in the bio, you will find the form where you can submit your commitment and we will continue reading these commitments we'll start with a pretty funny one next week and yeah we'll just keep reading these in batches until we get through them all and then maybe we'll revisit them in some way at the end of the year pam what's coming up in after dark on our patreon today i saw this story about doordash in the news a couple of weeks ago and we're going to use that to talk about the strangest or oddest things that we've ever been asked to do in a work setting. And so it should be a fun discussion. We also asked our patrons listening live to weigh in. So if you are listening live and you want to maybe have us read your example on the show, there is a new thread in the Millennial Livestream channel where you can do that. Great. And uh, I got a uh, story, a good story that happened to me over the weekend. I got hit on by a uh, employee of Costco. Ooh. Yeah. Don't mean to brag, oh, but wow. yeah, yeah, got it. Jeez, mm-hmm. a Costco employee? Oh my Costco god, Costco employee! I thought that only happened wow. at Trader Joe's. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Patreon.com/slash Millennial is where you can find that today. Time for some recommendations. Laura and I already made our recommendations. So Pam, back to you. Yes. So this is a very small recommendation. Uh, literally. It's about $2 and it's called the Simply Essential Pan Scraper. I picked this up around the holidays at I think Bed Bath and Beyond, but you can probably get it online as well. It's just like this tiny little plastic spatula, but without the handle. And it just makes like scraping down pots and pans or baking trays or anything like that so much faster. So if you don't want to like scrub, scrub, scrub away, you can just do it with this nifty little tool. And it's just so helpful to have right by the kitchen sink. So um, I would recommend checking that out to see if it's of use to you. We have one of these and I completely agree. It's so helpful. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good rec for sure. And by the way, Laura, I did buy your rec last week, the headband that's headphones so you can easily listen. I'm going to wear it tonight and look like a robot. What'd Mark say? Like cyborg? He calls me a Cyclops girlfriend anytime <laughs> I wear that to bed, which is every night. <laughs> I can't wait to try this. I, I really <laughs> am excited. Couple other reminders before we wrap up the show. If you have any feedback about anything we discussed today, you can write directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And again, our social media channels are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. One last thing, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else where you can review us. 
Spotify recently added a review system. It's just a starred review. So all of you Spotify users, if you could take a moment to review us on Spotify, one to five stars, we would really appreciate that. All right, that does it. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Maura. And I'm Pamela. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.